Book Two, Canto Three of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Three. Vain braggadocio, getting Guyon's horse, is made the scorn of knighthood true, and is of fair belle Phoebe foul forlorn. Soon as the morrow fair with purple beams disperse the shadows of the misty night, and Titan, playing on the eastern streams, clear the dewy air with springing light, Sir Guyon, mindful of his vow of plight, uprose from drowsy couch, and him addressed unto the journey which he had behight his puissant arms about his noble breast and many-folded shield he bound about his rest then taking congee of that virgin pure the bloody-handed babe unto her truth did earnestly commit and her conjure in virtuous lore to train his tender youth and all that gentle nurture in sooth and that so soon as riper years he wrought he might for memory of that day's ruth be called ruddy main and thereby taught to venge his parents' death on them that had it wrought. So forth he fared, as now befell on foot, sith his good steed is lately from him gone. Patience, perforce, helpless, what may it boot to fret for anger, or for grief to moan? His palmer now shall foot no more alone. So fortune wrought, as under green woodside he lately hard that dying lady grown, he left his steed without and spear beside, and rushed in on foot to aid her ere she died. The whiles a losel wandering by the way, one that to bounty never cast his mind, and a thought of honor ever did assay his baser breast, but in his kestrel kind a pleasing vein of glory vein did find, to which his flowing tongue and troublous sprite gave him great aid, and made him more inclined. He, that brave steed there finding ready dight, purloined both steed and spear, and ran away full light. Now gan his heart all swell in jollity, and of himself great hope and help conceived, that, puffed up with smoke of vanity, and with self-loved personage deceived, he gan to hope of men to be received for such as he him thought or fain would be. But for in court gay portents he perceived, and gallant show to be in greatest gree, eftsoons to court he cast to advance his first degree and by the way he chanced to espy one sitting idle on a sunny bank to whom a vaunting in great bravery as peacock that his painted plumes doth prank he smote his courser in the trembling flank and to him threatened his heart-thrilling spear the silly man seeing him ride so rank and aim at him fell flat to ground for fear and crying mercy loud his piteous hands gan rear Thereat the scarecrow, wexed wondrous proud, Through fortune of his first adventure fair, And with big thundering voice reviled him loud, Vile caitiff, vassal of dread and despair, Unworthy of the common breathed air, Why livest thou dead dog a linger day, And dost not unto death thyself prepare? Die, or thyself my captive yield for a great favor i thee grant for answer thus to stay hold o oh dear lord hold your dead doing hand then loud he cried i am your humble thrall ah oh, wretch quoth he thy destinies withstand my wrathful will and do for mercy call i give thee life therefore prostrated fall and kiss my stirrup 
that thy homage be. The miser threw himself, as an off all, straight at his foot in base humility, and cleeped him his liege to hold of him in fee. So happy peace they made and fair accord. Eftsoons this liegeman gan to wex more bold, and when he felt the folly of his lord, in his own kind he gan himself unfold. For he was wily witted and grown old in cunning slights and practic knavery. From that day forth he cast for to uphold his idle humor with fine flattery, and blow the bellows to his swelling vanity. Trumpart, fit man for braggadocio, to serve at court in view of vaunting eye. Vain glorious man, when fluttering wind does blow in his light wings, is lifted up to sky. The scorn of knighthood and true chivalry to think without desert of gentle deed and noble worth to be advanced high, such praise is shame, but honor, virtue's meed, doth bear the fairest flower in honorable seed. So forth they pass a well-consorted pair, till that at length with Archimage they meet, who, seeing one that shone in armor fair on goodly courser thundering with his feet, eftsoon supposed him a person meet of his revenge to make the instrument. For since the Red Cross knight he erst did wheat to bin with Gion, knit in one consent, the ill which erst to him he now to Gion meant and coming close to Trumpart gan inquire of him what mighty warrior that mote be that rode in golden cell with single spear, but wanted sword to wreak his enmity. He is a great adventurer, said he, that hath his sword through hard assay forgone, and now hath vowed, till he avenged be of that despite, never to wear a nun. That spear is him enough to done a thousand groan. Enchanter greatly joyed in the vaunt, and weened well ere long his will to win, and both his phone with equal foil to don. Though to him louting lowly did begin to plain of wrongs which had committed been by Gion, and by that false Red Cross knight, which too, through treason a deceitful gin, had slain Sir Mordant and his lady bright, that mote him honor win to wreak so foul despite. Therewith all suddenly he seemed enraged, and threatened death with dreadful countenance, as if their lives had in his hand been gauged, and with stiff force shaking his mortal lance, to let him weet his doughty valiance, thus said, Old man, great sure shall be thy meed, if, where those knights for fear of due vengeance do lurk, thou certainly to me a reed, that I may wreak on them their heinous, hateful deed. Certes, my lord, said he, that shall I soon, and give you eke good help to their decay. But mote I wisely you advise to do, give no odds to your foes, but do purvey yourself of sword before that bloody day. For they be to the prowest knights on ground, and oft approved in many hard assay, and eke of surest steel that may be found, do arm yourself against that day them to confound. Dotard, said he, let be thy deep advice. Seems that through many years thy wits thee fail, and that weak eld hath left thee nothing wise. Else never should thy judgment be so frail to measure manhood by the sword or mail. Is not enough four quarters of a man without an sword or shield, and host to quail? Thou little wottest what this right hand can. Speak they which have beheld the battles which it wan. 
the man was much abashed at his boast yet well he wist that whoso would contend with either of those knights on even coast should need of all his arms him to defend yet feared lest his boldness should offend when braggadocchio said once i did swear when with one sword seven knights i brought to end thenceforth in battle never sword to bear but it were that which noblest knight on earth doth wear pardie sir knight said then the enchanter blithe that shall i shortly purchase to your haunt for now the best and noblest knight alive prince arthur is that ones in fairyland he hath a sword that flames like burning brand the same by my device i undertake shall by to-morrow by thy side be fond at which bold word that boaster gan to quake and wondered in his mind what mote that monster make he stayed not for more bidding but away was sudden vanished out of his sight the northern wind his wings did broad display at his command and reared him up light from off the earth to take his airy flight they looked about but nowhere could a spy tract of his foot then dead through great affright they both nigh were and each bad other fly both fled at once ne ever back returned i till that they come unto a forest green in which they shroud themselves from causeless fear yet fear them follow still whereso they been each trembling leaf and whistling wind they hear as ghastly bug their hair on end does rear yet both do strive their fearfulness to feign at last they heard a horn that shrilled clear throughout the wood that echoed again and made the forest ring as it would rive in twain eft through the thick they heard one rudely rush with noise whereof he from his lofty steed down fell to ground and crept into a bush to hide his coward head from dying dread but trumpert stoutly stayed to take in heed of what might hap eft soon there stepped forth a goodly lady clad in hunter's weed that seemed to be a woman of great worth and by her stately portents born of heavenly birth her face so fair as flesh it seemed not but heavenly portrait of bright angel's hue clear as the sky withouten blame or blot through goodly mixture of complexions due and in her cheeks the vermeil red did shew like roses in a bed of lilies shed the which ambrosial odours from them threw and gazers sense with double pleasure fed able to heal the sick and to revive the dead in her fair eyes two living lamps did flame kindled above at heavenly maker's light and darted fiery beams out of the same so passing persant and so wondrous bright that quite bereaved the rash beholder's sight in them the blinded god his lustful fire to kindle oft assayed but had no might for with dread majesty and awful ire she broke his wanton darts and quenched base desire her ivory forehead full of bounty brave like a broad table did itself dispread for love his lofty triumphs to engrave and write the battles of his great godhead all good and honour might therein be read for there their dwelling was and when she spake sweet words like dropping honey she did shed and twixt the pearls and rubens softly break a silver sound that heavenly music seemed to make upon her eyelids 
many graces sate under the shadow of her even brows working bell guards and amorous retreat and every one her with a grace endows and every one with meekness to her bows so glorious mirror of celestial grace and sovereign monument of mortal vows how shall frail pen describe her heavenly face for fear through want of skill her beauty to disgrace so fair and thousand thousand times more fair she seemed when she presented was to sight and was a clad for heat of scorching air all in a silken camas lily white purfled upon with many a folded plight which all above besprinkled was throughout with golden egulets that glistered bright like twinkling stars and all the skirt about was hemmed with golden fringe below her ham her weed were somewhat train and her straight legs most bravely were embailed in gilden buskins of costly cordwain all barred with golden bends which were entailed with curious antics and full fair omailed before they fastened were under her knee in a rich jewel and therein entrailed the ends of all their knots that none might see how they within their foldings close and rapid be like two fair marble pillars they were seen which do the temple of the god support whom all the people deck with girlands green and honor in their festival resort those same with stately grace and princely port she taught to tread when she herself would grace but with the woody nymphs when she did play or when the flying libbard she did chase she could them nimbly move and after fly apace and in her hand a sharp boar spear she held and at her back a bow and quiver gay stuffed with steel-headed darts wherewith she quelled the salvage beasts in her victorious play knit with a golden baldric which forlay athwart her snowy breast and did divide her dainty paps which like young fruit in may now little gan to swell and being tied through her thin weed their places only signified her yellow locks crisped like golden wire about her shoulders wherein loosely shed and when the wind amongst them did inspire they wavered like a pennon wide to spread and low behind her back were scattered and whether art it were or heedless hap as through the flowering forest rash she fled in her rude hairs sweet flowers themselves did lap and flourishing fresh leaves and blossoms did enwrap such as diana by the sandy shore of swift eurotus or on synthus green where all the nymphs have her unwares forlore wandereth alone with bow and arrows keen to seek her game or as that famous queen of amazons whom pyrrhus did destroy the day that first of priam she was seen did show herself in great triumphant joy to succor the weak state of sad afflicted troy such when as heartless trumpart heard it view he was dismayed in his coward mind and doubted whether he himself should shoe or fly away or bide alone behind both fear and hope he in her face did find when she at last him spying thus bespake hail groom didst thou thou see a bleeding hind whose right haunch erst my steadfast arrow strake if thou didst tell me that i may her overtake wherewith revived this answer forth he threw 
O goddess, for such I thee take to be, for neither doth thy face terrestrial shew nor voice sound mortal, I avow to thee such wounded beast as that I did not see, sithirst into this forest wild I came, but mote thy goodly head forgive it me to weet which of the gods I shall thee name, that unto thee due worship I may rightly frame. To whom she thus, but ere her words ensued, unto the bush her eye did sudden glance, in which vain braggadocio was mewed, and saw it stir. She left her piercing lance, and towards gan a deadly shaft advance in mind to mark the beast, at which sad stour trumpet forth stepped to stay the mortal chance, out crying, Oh, whatever heavenly power or earthly wight thou be, withhold this deadly hour! Oh, stay thy hand, for yonder is no game for thy fierce arrows them to exercise. But lo, my lord, my liege, whose warlike name is far renowned through many bold emprise, and now in shade he shrouded yonder lies. She stayed. With that he crawled out of his nest, forth creeping on his caitive hands and thighs, and standing stoutly up, his lofty crest did fiercely shake and rouse as coming late from rest. As fearful fowl that long in secret cave for dread of soaring hawk herself hath hid, not caring how her silly life to save, she her gay-painted plumes disordered, seeing at last herself from danger rid, peeps forth, and soon renews her native pride. She gins her feathers foul disfigured, proudly to prune, and set on every side. So shakes off shame, nor thinks how erst she did her hide so when her goodly visage he beheld he gan himself to vaunt but when he viewed those deadly tools which in her hand she held soon into other fits he was transmued till she to him her gracious speech renewed all hail sir knight and well may thee befall as all the like which honour have pursued through deeds of arms and prowess martial all virtue merits praise but such the most of all to whom he thus, O fairest under sky, true be thy words, and worthy of thy praise, that warlike feats dost highest glorify. Therein have I spent all my youthly days, and many battles fought, and many frays throughout the world, whereso they might be found, endeavoring my dreaded name to raise above the moon, that fame may it resound in her eternal trump, with laurel girland crown. But what art thou, O lady, which dost range in this wild forest, where no pleasure is, and dost not it for joyous court exchange amongst thine equal peers, where happy bliss and all delight does reign much more than this? There thou mayst love, and dearly loved be, and swim in pleasure, which thou here dost miss. There mayst thou best be seen, and best mayst see. The wood is fit for beasts. The court is fit for thee. Whoso in pomp of proud estate, quoth she, to swim, and bathes himself in courtly bliss, does waste his days in dark obscurity, and in oblivion ever buried is. Where ease abounds, it's eath to do amiss. But who his limbs with labors and his mind behaves with cares, cannot so easy miss abroad in arms at home in studious kind who seeks with painful toil shall honour soonest find in woods in waves in wars she wants to dwell and will be found with peril and with pain 
Nay can the man that moles in idle cell Unto her happy mansion attain. Before her gate high God did sweat ordain, And wakeful watches ever to abide. But easy is the way, and passage plain To pleasure's palace, it may soon be spied, And day and night her doors to all stand open wide. In prince's court, the rest she would have said, but that the foolish man, filled with delight of her sweet words, that all his sense dismayed, and with her wondrous beauty ravished quite, gan burn in filthy lust, and leaping light, thought in his bastard arms her to embrace. With that she, swarving back, her javelin bright against him bent, and fiercely did menace, so turned her about, and fled away apace which when the peasant saw, amazed he stood, and grieved at her flight. Yet durst he not pursue her steps through wild unknown wood. Besides, he feared her wrath, and threatened shot, whiles in the bush he lay, yet not forgot. Ne cared he greatly for her presence vain, but turning said to Trumpert, What foul blot is this to-night, that lady should again depart to woods untouched, and leave so proud disdain? Perdee, said Trumpert, let her pass at will, lest by her presence danger might befall. For who can tell, and sure I fear it ill, but that she is some power celestial. For while she spake, her great words did appall my feeble courage and by heart oppress, that yet I quake and tremble over all. And I, said Bragadocchio, thought no less, when first I heard her horn sound with such ghastliness, for from my mother's womb this grace I have, me given by eternal destiny, that earthly thing may not my courage brave dismay with fear, or cause one foot to fly, but either hellish fiends or powers on high. Which was the cause, when erst that horn I heard, weaning it had been thunder in the sky, I hid myself from it as one afeard. But when I other knew myself, I boldly reared. But now, for fear of worse that may betide, let us soon hence depart. They soon agree. So to his steed he got, and gan to ride, as one unfit therefore, that all might see he had not trained been in chivalry, which well that valiant courser did discern, for he despised to tread in due degree, but chafed and foamed, with courage fierce and stern, and to be eased of that base burden still did earn. End of Book Two, Canto Three. Recording by Thomas Copeland.